What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. A podcast that's not crying. You're crying. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sip Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patron get perks! Patrons get those perks. If it is the same bread van, <laughs> I swear. I, I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and no matter what happens to our friendship, I hope he never gives me the finger. It's Andrew Ormsby, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! <laughs> and each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else in the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, the two movies for today are Banshees of Inishirin, uh not Banshees of Ed Sheeran, uh, as has been oh. rumored, and uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We're going to talk about those today. But how you doing, Andrew? How's, uh, how's stuff going? Oh, I'm just peachy. How about you? I'm good. I'm doing good. well. Um, it has been a an interesting week that seems to happen here uh every year where we go straight from summer to winter and i don't know where fall went uh but uh maybe that's the experience you're having as well well Um, i kind of enjoy it because i've been in my garage welding all day and it Mm. gets so hot yeah that i just open up the garage door and i let this 30 degree air just rush right in Mm -hmm. cool me down yeah that's got to be nice that's got to be nice i had to remember to close the register in the room i record in because uh if i don't the heat will turn this into an oven very very fast um because it's such a small room so so well last night somehow my circuit breaker for the furnace turned off like it blew the circuit breaker so i woke up this morning and my house was freezing (laughs) so yeah it's it's that time of year in the ozarks aaron yes yes it is you know it's going to be 80 degrees next week yeah probably yeah Yeah. that tends to be how it works (laughs) uh well you didn't come here to hear us talk about weather you came here to talk us uh, hear us talk about movies so let's do it uh let's talk a little bit about black panther wakanda forever his people 
did not call him General Oki. They called him Kukul Khan, the Feather Serpent God, killing him. We'll risk eternal war. He's coming for the surface world. Queen Ramonda, Shuri, Mbaku, Okoye, and the Dora Milaje fight to protect their nation from intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, the heroes must band together with the help of war dog Nakia and Everett Ross to forge a new path for the kingdom of Wakanda. Uh, Marvel bringing us another Black Panther move, uh, movie in a very precarious uh way right you've got chadwick boseman very tragically and publicly uh passing away um and how do you take a central character honor the person who brought them to life and who many will say you know cannot be replaced how do you do that at the same time as making a fun great marvel movie that is you know a very precarious thing to try to do uh if you uh are going to do it I do recommend having someone like Ryan Coogler uh, in your pocket to be able to do that. Uh, he's obviously an incredible director, and he comes back to do this. Many of the same people you know and love from the Black, Black Pan- uh, Panther universe are here. Uh, what did you think, Andrew, uh, overall? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? It's difficult with a movie like this because, like you said, there is so much baggage that you feel like you immediately have to explain yourself once you give that generalized sure. uh uh, a feeling for the movie, but I'm just going to go ahead and say I liked it. Maybe high side liked it, but I'll just go liked it. Yeah, I'm I'm even maybe low side of liked it, but I'm definitely in the liked it camp. Um, and let's just go into it, and we we can kind of talk about this movie in a couple different ways, right? Yeah. And I think that's the reason it's maybe so hard to assess a film like this. Because if you strip away the outside factors from this film, like if this was just a film Marvel put out because let's say Chadwick Boseman just didn't want to play back Black Panther anymore, right? Like let's yeah. say let's say that's this movie. I you know, I think it's a lot different than the fact that we know this person and we know how much he was loved and how those outside emotions impact what's going on on the screen. Um, you can't talk about a movie like this in a vacuum, though. Like, you you just can't. It has to have that context. So I think it's fair for us to talk about both things. I think both things are equally important to how we assess this movie, how we experienced this movie. Um, and so I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad for us to both separate that from it and talk about it in that way. And then talk about how uh, much that does impact, you know, our feelings about the movie as well. So, um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like you had to walk on eggshells uh, in any way, in, in kind of talking about the flaws or the the high points of the movie itself. Um, yeah. Shall we start with the Chadwick Boseman of it all and just how the movie incorporates that? How did you feel about how that was handled? How did it work for you? All of that. Um, I think that Coogler, Feige. And all of them were handed such a unprecedented task mm-hmm. that I look at the movie that they did and I go, good job that you mm-hmm. were able to make it this good. Does that mean 
if when you take away that element of it and you just look at the movie from an, a story standpoint, is it just as good? No. I think that the first Black Panther was better. I think that this movie handled specific things with real-world ramifications that were handled better than I thought they could have been handled. Mm-hmm. But still, narratively, there are issues with this movie. I think from the, the Chadwick Boseman of it all, I think it was handled... A- Almost as well as you can. I like. I yeah. can't imagine a better way to handle this. The the only other option is just recasting and then dealing with the idea of it's just a different actor in the role. There are certainly many movies that have done that uh, for many different reasons, um, and there are even Marvel characters that have been recast for different reasons. Um, Probably not on this level. I can't think of anyone in the Marvel universe that's been recast on this level, but um, but it can be done. And if that's the option, that's the only other option. I go, okay, you maybe could have done that as well. But if you're going this direction, this is about as good as you can do it. And um, and not only that, for me, so much of what I love about this movie is because of my emotions knowing the outside of it, right? There are moments in this movie where you know the actors are experiencing real, genuine, deep emotion that is tied to how similar the movie is to what happened to them in real life, right? Yeah. And because of that, there's this extra level. You know, I talk about loving based on a true story kinds of movies. And this is part of the reason why, because there's this extra level of something when you go, Oh, I know that's real and I can, I can feel it and I can see it. And I am telling you, I was sobbing at points of this movie. Now I love emotion. I have no problem crying in movies. Like, uh, I let it flow. I let, Mm. let the sadness flow through you. Um, so I, I was sobbing, uh, at points in this movie and a couple of uh, specific points in, in so much of that, if not all of it has to do with the real life circumstances surrounding the movie. I don't take that away from the movie. I think it's, it's, it's not, it didn't feel exploitative to me. It felt, uh, it felt like it was handled with care and honor. Um, and, uh, and it's hard for me not to give the movie a lot of points for, how it handled things and how that emotion worked um, yeah. in, in my consideration. Um, did the emotion work for you? I think maybe, yes, I was sad at parts in the movie, but I think I went into this like trying to mentally prepare myself for how sad it was going to be mm-hmm. to where, yes, I knew it was sad, but I, I never like cried or anything. Um, I, I think I just... Well, I don't know what the hyping version of getting ready to cry is called, but I think I hyped... <laughs> myself up so much right. for how depressing this movie was going to be. Um, but, <clears throat> man, it's so difficult because I'm going to say something, and I am begging for grace and mm-hmm. for sure. some time to explain. I think that the movie was so focused on paying respects to Chadwick Boseman that it missed out on important issues that were... Uh, left unresolved and uh, kind of just messed with me. I'll just, I'll explain it here. Again, we're having a conversation. We can jump back and forth between negatives and positives. Mm -hmm. But I think that the 
because obviously Ryan Coogler had written the script already mm-hmm. before Chadwick Boseman had passed away. So I'm looking at this movie and I'm going, okay, you didn't take anything out of the script to make room for your uh, uh, portrayal of how everybody's reacting to King Chichot. King T'Challa dying. Mm-hmm. So you have that on top of the original movie you were trying to release. And when I'm sitting here watching this movie, I'm thinking there's too much going on. There are too many uh, different elements and facets of this movie that I can't care about all of them equally. Mm-hmm. Because I think the movie should have done one of two things. Either had like a quick memorial at the beginning of the movie for Chadwick mm-hmm. and, and Ch- Chadwick, I mean as T'Challa and then moved on to the peril from there or scrap this original story entirely and make the entire movie about T'Challa and what it means for the future of Wakanda. I think that they just tried to bite off more. No, not they didn't try to bite off is they gave, gave us so much that I that I just couldn't care about everything. Mm. Yeah, but I don't I can know if that. this is like I, Kevin Feige saying you have to have uh, 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 Ironheart in this movie. You know, mm-hmm. you have to have, and then you have to have uh, Namor, and then you have to have blah 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 blah. You know, so many things because we already have a uh, 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 what a, a timeline in place, and we need these characters to be debuted here. Mm-hmm. So it. It's unfortunate. I understand the reasoning around it. It's just, it's just uh, too much. I think you're. I think you are onto something. I don't know that I felt it as strongly as you did, um, because I do feel like the movie. I I didn't feel like the movie was jumbled in its uh, ability to cross tones, cross uh, plots. Like, if there was some sort of reconciliation that was done here with the real-world events and an existing script, it seemed pretty fluid to me. I didn't – at least I didn't feel, like, the the jaggedness of it as I was watching it. And, in fact, I feel like the themes of loss and, you know, searching for a purpose after loss uh, actually really play well into the overall themes of this movie – um, you know, ab- about that, about the idea of, you know, where purpose comes from. It's a, a very similar themes to the first Black Panther, uh, by the way, as, uh, yeah. as far as, you know, how to uh, approach those things. So um, I did feel like it, it was integrated well, um, maybe a little more than you, but, um, but I, I do understand what you're saying. Um, I, I should clarify that I think narratively the story the story flow, like everything makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there, nothing felt out of place. It was just, I think there was uh, too many things for me to keep track of, Mm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Um, 
The other thing I will say uh, in the positive column right away is, um, man, do I love the Dora Milaje, and I love watching them fight. It is mm-hmm. some of the coolest action, in my opinion. There's still some of that Marvel stuff where it's a little cut to death at times, but yeah. it, it at least to me feels really cool, and I, I just I love those characters. I love how female fronted this entire movie is. Um, it just it it feels. Uh, really well done. Having said that, uh, M'Baku remains one of my favorite things in in Marvel. <laughs> Winston Duke is so funny to me for whatever reason. Uh, I just I love that guy. Um, so yeah, it was. I just overall, I never had a moment where I was like, I'm so bored with this movie, or where I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. I don't like that. Like it just felt like this to me felt like a a great tribute in a good movie if that makes sense um, yeah i think that's so, a perfect way to say it yeah and it is i think it is a good movie i i don't think it's a bad movie i don't even think it's a mediocre movie i think it's a good movie it's a good movie um it's a and good movie. and ryan coogler has not let me down he he knows how to make good movies um but it is a great tribute and i think if you can kind of separate those two things in your mind um you know, it, it, it kind of helps uh, process the experience, I think, a little bit better. Yeah. So, yeah. Letitia Wright, man. Yeah. Let's talk about Letitia. How do you feel? She, I am so proud of her because this isn't what she signed up for initially. Right. You know, she was going to be a support character, and now she is thrust into probably one of the biggest... Uh, profiles in the entire mm-hmm. like entertainment industry right now. Yeah. And she handled it with professional talent. I mean, mm-hmm. she she went she showed me things in this movie I didn't know she could do. And I don't mean physically, I mean like her ability to convey emotion. Yeah. I think I think the fact that a lot of it was real just elevated it. But I think that Letitia I mean, she stole the movie. It's it's yes, it is her movie. I was gonna say it's it's hard to steal a movie that's yours. Yeah, it's her movie, but I think that like even when you have such powerhouse performers like Angela Bassett, who is phenomenal in this mm-hmm. movie, that she can uh, somebody who was originally cast as a uh, as a support character, and then she just transfers so well into the the center stage that it's. It makes you wonder why she wasn't in the, like uh, a lead a lead character to begin mm-hmm. with. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Letitia's great. There, she's asked to do some stuff that's really complicated, really nuanced, and I think she she pulls it off really well. Um, I love all the costuming in this movie. I I mm. just um, I think it's Ruth Carter that does that that does that stuff for the Black Panther movies, and it's just astonishing and i just there were several times especially with uh shuri's outfits where i was just like and i'm not usually this guy and i was just like that is a cool outfit like that is oh yeah i I love like the hairstyles the outfits i love everything this this movie is doing in those ways um i like dominique thorne as ironheart i thought she was really fun i thought the relationship between uh shuri and in uh riri uh shuri riri uh, was uh, was was really good. Uh, I, yes, I guess their couple name would be Shariri. Um, Shariri. 
uh, I thought they were fun together. I thought that that character was interesting. Um, I, you know, it became clear pretty quickly that, that the Ironheart thing is an Iron Man thing. And I don't know that the movie did enough for me to help me understand Riri's love of Iron Man, that she would kind of go that direction. Does that, does it make sense what I'm saying to you? Because yeah, uh, like it, it would seem to me, unless she has some sort of connection to the Iron Man idea and and that persona or that person, that she would kind of go her own way instead of very clearly being, you know, kind of an Iron Man thing. So um, maybe I'm being unrealistic with that, but I, I wanted the movie to help me understand why she was uh, imitating Iron, Iron Man's, you know, look and patterns and... Um, suit and that kind of thing um so that that to me if i'm going into negatives was probably a a uh a consequence of a symptom of the movie that i think was throughout several things which was it just it didn't build out its purpose and uh character motivation as well as many of these movies often do. Um, I, I think there were several character motivations that were, were sold short a little bit for me, uh, primarily Namor. I feel like N- Namor's, I think we get some, but I don't think we get enough to justify where this movie eventually goes. Uh, I don't think there's enough character exploration for us to fully feel or understand the Shuri uh, Namor uh, relationship at the end. Um, I'm just kind of talking around it. So I just, there were several points this movie where, uh, which is, you know, probably the primary thing why I don't say it's a great movie and say it's a good movie is because of its inability to really flesh out some of the character um, motivations. Uh, I really do want to talk about Namor, but before I do, I want to uh, kind of extend off what you were talking about with uh, Riri. Uh, her character is one of the issues of the movie where I'm like, I, 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 I could see you taking this character out of the story and it would work even better. Kind of like how I felt, especially, and the big one for me is the whole Martin Freeman character. I think is just wasted time. Like, we don't need to see this character again. He's not adding anything to the story. I will never, ever... In my entire life, get used to Martin Freeman with an American accent. It, it, it doesn't th- sound right. It throws me every single time. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean it's a bad accent either. He's killing oh. it, but it's just, I can't, my brain can't do it. It's so weird. Funny enough, him and Benedict Cumberbatch have the same thing. Like, where mm-hmm. either of these guys do an American accent. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, it, it, I, I know you too well to where it's just, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, now moving on to uh, Namor. I love what they did with the character and making it him and the whole... Uh, it, in the comics, it is Atlantis. But in this movie, it's uh, Talacon. Um, mm. This whole uh, Talacon society is built around this Mesoamerican culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I think love it's that. so smart because that's not what it is in the comics at all. Right, yeah. It, I think it is brilliantly done how they actually, you know, talk about the gods of, uh, you know, Mesoamerica, like Shock and Akpuch. Mm-hmm. And they even call Namor Kukulkan, who these are all real Mesoamerican uh, Mayan and Aztecian gods. And I thought... Yeah, why not? Because you have 
Thor, and you have all of these actual different pantheons. Like we even see uh, in uh, Love and Thunder, we see, you know, Zeus. We see all these different gods from all these different cultures. I'm like, yes, build that up. That is so cool. And I mm-hmm. think that making it a... a, a, a Initially, the first Black Panther movie was definitely, you know, building up and representing this African culture and, you Mm -hmm. know, displaying the beauty in it. And I think that the movie does an equally good job displaying the beauty of this uh, South American culture. I think it's done amazingly well. Having said that, I think they spent so much time talking about Namor and not enough time talking about Talakan. Because this entire movie, they are saying, oh, Talakan is so much more technologically advanced and such a formidable force for Wakanda. Never felt that once. No matter how many Mm. times they told me that Talakan was this big, terrible threat, never felt it once. The first time we see, I'm just going to call them Atlanteans from now on. Please forgive me. Mm-hmm. The first time we see the Atlanteans and they're doing this whole siren trick out in the middle of water on this uh, on this mining rig or this uh, mm-hmm. drilling rig, it's one of the best scenes in the entire movie mm-hmm. because it, it it builds so much suspense and intimidation. But the movie doesn't go that extra mile, I think, to really show us why we should be afraid of this Atlantis Atlantean culture. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think that uh, I think there's reasons for that. Oh yeah, I think there's I think there's narrative reasons for that. I think because of what the movie overall is trying to do with the relationship between Wakanda and Talakan uh, is, um, you know, is probably why it. Because I I I do feel like the the level of difficulty based on where this movie wants to go without spoiling anything uh sure. is is very difficult and um because you you can't have either the wakandans or the talakan uh be too over the top threatening or intimidating um because of what you want to do later in the movie so yeah mm, okay i guess narratively my only argument would be well then don't make that movie you know like have it i i understand this is one of the most like the battle of wakanda uh is like one of the most famous marvel stories ever and you know there's a lot of pressure on cooler to do justice to the battle in wakanda with namor and the atlanteans or talakanians is namor a villain in the comics He's a anti-hero. Okay. He's gone back and forth. When he was originally created, he was a hero. Then he became a villain, and then uh, he's a hero again. He's like married to Sue Storm and stuff like that. So, yeah, whole, whole bunch of craziness. Um, I love the 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 uh, the design of the character. I think it's so fresh, and that's kind of building off this uh, Mesoamerican culture thing that they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still kept everything about the character himself that was important in this movie. He still has the winged heels. He still has the pointed ears. You know, mm-hmm. he his his uh, his uh, design in the comics is very elvish. Like, uh, not Elvis, 
Elven, I guess, is the better way to say it. But, uh, yeah, like, his suit is more along the lines of something you would see. Actually, his suit in the comics looks so much like the suit of the Deep in The Boys, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just that, that green, tight, spandex-ish. Um, so, yeah, I love this redesign, but they kept everything that was important that made him the, quote-unquote, first mutant. He was the first mutant comic book character. He's just not the first mutant uh like uh chronologically mm-hmm. yeah. yeah uh well what about the performance what about uh Tanakh Huerta? Tanakh Huerta? i really I, I thought he did a great job but i think that he was kind of doing uh he was doing a great job but narratively the story didn't give him enough to take that character to the next level i agree i agree that was it was my main issue with the movie again a movie i i thought was really good um yeah please don't forget this is a good movie guys we liked it there's a couple i i honestly don't think we need to do a sip spoil on this there's not enough there to really talk about there are a couple moments that may surprise you cameos um plot movements uh i found all those strange I I, well, I found them to be actually pretty good. I liked them. I, I thought it was a pretty natural way to move the story where it needed to go. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, there was I one. Think you're talking there, about what I would call the dark side Sith Lord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great way to say it non-spoilerishly, mm-hmm. and you know exactly what the other person's talking about. The, there was a Martin Freeman, Everett Ross angle of things where we get uh, another cameo character that is a, a major part of that. Um, for all I know is in the trailer. I have no idea. Um, but, Actually, no. Oh, <laughs> good for them. Uh, the one thing that wasn't in the trailer is like the one thing I'm like, you could have cut that out of the movie. The whole that whole thing, it, it, I feel. It, it really could have been cut out. I'm, I'm not sure why we needed that other than Marvel's got plans, right? It really did feel like one of those moments where it's like, okay, Marvel doing Marvel. I get you're trying to sequels. You're trying to tease sequels, build up characters throughout the threads of other movies, which by the way, works. It works. It works. Narratively it works, but but for this movie, it doesn't make sense. For this movie, it doesn't need to be there. It could be cut out. For the whole Marvel project, okay, Feige, do your thing. But um, but you know, you can you kind of feel those threads being uh, thread through a little forcefully, uh, for my taste. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any uh, any final thoughts? Uh, the mid there was a mid credit scene, but no post credit scene. Yeah, There's I'm a hearing mid- a lot of people say that this was the best mid credit scene Marvel has ever done. Well, I think it's. I, I mean, I think there's, again, an emotional, an emotional aspect yeah. to that. Um, and it really was like th- when I had finally stopped crying, the movie wanted me to cry again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it tugs at your heartstrings for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. Just because you don't get waterworks doesn't mean you don't feel it. Uh, no, I would I would 100% recommend this movie. Me, me too. Me as well. Uh, my one final thing is just Ryan Coogler is amazing. I, I don't know of any other director that could have taken this level of difficulty of a movie and put together such a great experience um, with it. So, yeah. Over time, I would say that my, I make this my one last thing. Brian Kukler has finally figured out how to shoot action. Because if you look at the mm. first Black Panther movie and how like 
Gumby, all the fight scenes, especially at the very end of that movie, sure are. And then you look at the battle in Wakanda and how many practical effects were done and how they were shot in slow motion. It's a beautifully shot action sequence. I think that he has come a long way. And he is, he's just adding more things to his repertoire of like things that make him an amazing director. And mm-hmm. every single time I thought about this movie, like as I was leaving the theater, I was like, I should really watch Fruitvale Station. Everybody really says it's should, an amazing man. movie. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. Uh, well, there you go. Thoughts on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Big recommend from both of us. The movie yes. uh, works uh, so well on so many levels and uh, definitely worth a watch. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's move into uh, the next movie. Uh, Let's talk about Banshees of Inishirin. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. 
Two lifelong friends, Banshee and Silver Banshee, find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. Uh, that's a shout out to our Sif Pop members Free who will get if we'll get that uh, get that reference. Uh, I'm going to ask you an honest question and I want an honest answer. Uh-huh. Did sure. you tell that joke because you don't know how to pronounce these characters' names? <laughs> They, well, the character names are not in my synopsis, and I will not be saying them uh, today. You're just going to so say Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleeson? I am absolutely going with Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleeson. If you want to give it a shot, I am all for it. Uh, I just know I am not up to the task. No. Um, so, yeah. So, this is uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell and teaming up with Martin McDonough. Uh, and that's something that hasn't happened since, uh, a movie we both love, uh, in Bruges. It is so, in the top hundred movies of all time. So, yeah. Uh, Barry Keegan is in there. Carrie Condon as well. Um, what did you think of this tale of breaking up? Um, Andrew, <laughs> did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I should, again, my bias up front, absolutely love Martin McDonough. Mm-hmm. I love all of his movies, and I love this one too. I absolutely love this one. Yeah, you? Uh, I loved it as well. Maybe low side. I loved really? it. Really? Yeah. No, I love I this was, movie. I have been mentally preparing myself all day for you to say that you didn't like this movie. No, because I know that we have such a different appreciation for both Seven Psychopaths, which I absolutely love, but especially Three Billboards, I know you're not a fan of. No, I thought I think Three Billboards I think Three Billboards is a bad movie. I just I don't I don't get the love for Three Billboards. Um we've had that discussion. We don't need to have it again. Um, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, history going into this uh, that's sure. kind of like where my headspace sure. is. I'm like, "Okay, I'm just preparing myself for him to hate a movie I love." <laughs> I think I'm just going to say this one thing and then I'm going to let you cook for a little bit because oh. uh, I know I know you have things to say. But for me, this movie does right everything that Three Billboards does wrong. Um there mm-hmm. there is a pathos to this movie. The movie gives me someone to identify with, gives me someone to um you know walk alongside of as it is exploring a very dark understanding of what it means for people to break up um and we don't often think of friendships as something that you know that has to be a breakup but it is but it is and relationships end whether they are romantic or um friend or whatever um and this movie has a very nihilistic view of <laughs> of how that happens, but it also gives me someone to uh, find my way in. Um, so that that to me is why I come away from this being able to love it because I think thematically it's just so much deeper and more interesting when you have both sides of the coin trying mm. to figure out uh, what's going on in the story. So. So yeah, there's 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 my kind of start as to why I ended up loving this one, um, but yeah, go go off, man. Tell tell me about uh, how amazing this movie is. This it is truly an amazing movie. Um, one of my favorites of the year. I think that in for I hope that you understand this uh, this comparison, but this movie reminded me so much of Mother with Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, that's an interesting comparison. You're gonna have to explain that one to me. I think because this movie, just like Mother, for this specific reason, not as a whole, 
I could see people coming away from this movie just like they did with Mother having a completely different understanding of what they thought the metaphors in this movie were trying to tell them. Mm. Okay. Because I, there's not a lot of metaphor in this movie. It's ooh. a fairly straight narrative. There's a lot of themes. There's a lot of interesting like thoughts in in I just I don't I don't know I don't know what the movie is a metaphor for. I would say that this movie is a metaphor for war, specifically civil war. Okay, yeah, that's fair. No, that's that's absolutely correct. Yeah, that 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 is there, and um, and the movie actually nods at that several times. That's a good call. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I could see people coming away from this saying that it's a metaphor for... I've even read online somebody said that this movie is a metaphor for social media. I don't get that, but hey, more power to you. Um, social media? That's an interesting one. I, yeah. I love it when a movie is deep and nuanced enough that you can lay your own reality over it. And I certainly exactly. think this this movie, uh, you could say that about this film. And I think that that's where I'm getting the mo- the mother okay. uh, 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 comparison because, like, I remember when you and I did that uh, review for Mother, you and I were coming away with completely different metaphors mm-hmm. for that sure. movie. Yeah. And um, I think it's beautiful when a movie can do that. Um, it makes it personal to everyone in a unique way. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, um, and, and the the thing this does better than Mother, honestly, is that it's also an authentic, uh, sensical narrative. You know, there's there's an actual story that makes sense going on here mm. that you could just you could just right on the surface just watch these characters and, and experience the story that they're going through, and it yeah. and it works really really well. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, okay, performances. Uh, they're everybody's great. I mean, everybody is beyond amazing in this movie. How great is Barry Keegan in this movie? I just that that character is that's a so supporting, good. That's a supporting actor nom right there. Yeah, yeah, um, so good. Yeah, he every, he steals every scene he's in. Like that scene is his, and mm-hmm. everybody else is just along for the ride. But I think the fact that. You know, in real life, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are like best friends. So whenever you see a movie about these guys breaking up as friends, it hits you that much harder because you're like, mm-hmm. no, there's something real here. Don't waste it. Um, uh, yeah, I, it's I, it's a difficult movie to explain to somebody, mm-hmm. even though it's such a on-the-surface story. Like, uh, the guy decides one day he doesn't want to be friends with another guy. Mm-hmm. And where the movie goes from there, it sounds boring, but this movie is a charcuterie board of emotions. It takes you every which way. I was laughing. I was crying. <laughs> I was tense. I was, like, there were scenes of, like, just pure anxiety. And then there were... Scenes where it was just warm and comfortable and just, just hearty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that yeah. on the surface this movie does sound boring, but there are so much emotions here. I was never bored, and if and, the, and if there wasn't emotions to keep me there, then the cinematography is extravagant. Right, right. I I was blown away by the dialogue i think there some of the stuff between um the colin farrell character and the, the Brendan gleason character <laughs> uh some of that stuff uh i i can call him podrick and call him that's fine um but they their tete a tete 
at several points through this movie was just captivating. And I love it when a movie can do that. And I do think part of it is because I locked into that Podrick character. I locked into Colin Farrell in a really big way in this optimistic, like, you know, why can't we be, why, why does this have to end? Like what, you know, like he is definitely the part of that relationship that wants to fight for the relationship. And, um, and so I was able to lock into that in some, some really deep ways and to feel the pain of some of the things the Colm character was saying to him and feel like the intensity of those conversations and what it meant, um, you know, this movie somehow walks right up to the the edge of the over the top cliff, you know, the uh, exaggeration island and somehow never takes that final step and tumbles into it. It, it somehow remains grounded while going to some really out there places. Um, and I that's. That's a magic trick, and it's, it's done. It's, what it's, it is, yeah, and it's done really well here. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Carrie Condon, who the entire movie, I, I am not ashamed to say, I thought it was Rebecca Ferguson. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, the entire movie, I was like, oh, that's uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Cool. I haven't seen her since she did uh, Fallout, and yeah. I was like, then the credits roll. I'm like, oh, well, I feel like a fool, um, but. Uh, so all that to say, I think that her character is the rock of this entire island, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's great seeing her k- try to juggle all of these different people and to get them all to come down to a grounded reality and not do ridiculous, regrettable things. Yeah. Um, like she, I could see, you know, she's. I think Colin Farrell's uh, Podrick is like technically the older brother, but I think that she is definitely a paternal figure mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, and uh, it's it's hard. It's it's so sad in certain scenes that uh, that you know she she feels like she has these responsibilities and she can't do the things that she loves. But at the same time, like you're, you're so grateful that she's there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know if I job. I mentioned this. We we did see this at uh, Fantastic Fest, and um, the uh, the screening afterwards, uh, Martin McDonough and Carrie Condon were there, and so they came up Ooh. to the to the front and chatted a bit. My favorite story from that chat is somebody asked um, him what his favorite. Um, you know, three or five, I don't remember, Irish films were or something like that. And uh, he he listed a few and Carrie Condon said, you didn't list any of my movies. And he said, well, we'll be in better movies then. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he just, hey. he, had, he had several moments like that where it's just like, oh, I see your personality. Uh, yeah. I see you. I see you, Martin McDonough. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Well, she's, um, she's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So take that, Martin McDonough. You haven't. Yeah, that's right. Anything. That's right. What would what would uh, what Marvel movie would uh, Martin McDonough uh, direct? Oh gosh, let's think about this here. If he were to direct a Marvel movie, I would love to see him do. Uh, he would have to do a villain movie, 
I think if mm. they were to do an origin story for Doctor Doom, I think Martin McDonough could do that. There you go. There yeah. you go. Uh, I didn't know if there were any famous like Irish uh, superheroes. See, I was trying. I was I was racking my brain, but I couldn't think of yeah. anything. It probably all is. these all these white superheroes kind of blend together after yeah. a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have a ton more to say about my love for this film because so much of it is encapsulated in the performances and the dialogue, in my opinion, and the you know the narrative themes, and that's all stuff that we've talked about. Uh, did you have um, one final thing on this? Uh, I love that I can think about this movie and like, what is the, what is the main theme of this movie? Not the metaphor, but the main theme. I'm like, Mm -hmm. is it, I think, and I think what this movie's trying to say, and please, you are the theme metaphor guy, so tell me what you got out of it. But I think what this movie is trying to say is, uh, what is more important to be remembered or to be kind with the time you have like Mm -hmm. what 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 should be more important to you and i think that this movie tackles it beautifully and it plays into the that's what i got out of it as well in the movie uh that that theme plays beautifully into the metaphors you mentioned as well you know the idea of why do we go to war uh, why do these things happen and often it has to do with legacy it has to do with pride it has to do with these same kind of things being remembered instead of focusing on, um, you know, being kind or, and I don't, I don't think the movie comes down with a distinct point of point of view or answer to that question. I think it really leaves its characters up there for you to identify with and to say, you know, um, that there, I think there are points where the movie is very clearly saying there is something to historical legacy. There is something to, being remembered and there are points where the movie is clearly saying there is something to being kind there is something to the idea of how we treat each other in the moment being more important than what people remember about us um so i think it says both things i have a clear worldview and where i land on that discussion but i don't know that the movie necessarily wants to be pedantic or preachy in that way um and honestly kind of leans into even the and this is kind of you know my one last thing, and the reason that I do have trouble like fully love love loving this movie, and why I say maybe the low side of loved it, is it leans into the humans are so flawed that they just can't that the, like there there is almost a a feeling of the inevitability of breakups, the inevitability of destruction and um, pain and trauma, and you know. Uh, which leads to me to something that many people have as a worldview, which is that's why I don't get into deep relationships because they all just hurt in the end. And, you know, um, so that, that for me is a sad place to lean the movie. I don't think it gets preachy or pedantic about it, but I do think the movie leans that direction on that question. Um, but maybe not so much has, it doesn't so much have a lean on the idea of legacy versus kindness. Uh, I think mm. it kind of leaves both of those in the air. Um, Do you have a, so, yeah. a favorite scene that's not like spoilerish? Oh, man, <sighs> probably no. I, I honestly don't. Um, I think there is there's some stuff that goes on in the first confrontation at the bar scene that I think is spectacular. I just think it's. Um, so wrought with uh, genuine human conversation and emotion and um, uh, 
So, but they're they're just there. I think there are too many uh, scenes for me to pull pull one yeah. out. So. I don't know how he does it, but Martin McDonough is able to get his actors to portray dialogue in both a realistic and a comedic tempoed way, like. You know, mm. the back and forth tete a tete kind of reminds you, uh, or at least it reminds me of something that uh, Aaron Sorkin would do. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever it's time yep. to be funny, you got that quick tete a tete. But then there's also moments of just general, real human conversation. And he uh, jumps back and forth between those two effortlessly. And this movie is funny, by the way. It's, it is very it's funny. It's really funny. Um, not that that should be a surprise. I guess I another one of my favorites. Were, uh, Colm, every time Colm has to go to confession, slayed me. Yeah. I thought that yes. was great. Yeah. Uh, the, the Podrick and Dominic scenes, um, like there's a scene where they're sitting out looking and overlooking something. I thought that scene was hilarious mm-hmm. and great. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot to love. There's a lot to love about this. Uh, that is the Banshees of Inishirin. It is in theaters, um, so you can check it out there uh, if you want to check it out. All right, before we head into the Best Ever Challenge, a thank you to our Sif Pop members. As mentioned, we do a Sif Pop members-only pre-show uh, most weeks, and this week we chatted about the DCEU um, in a couple ways. Number one, Andrew played a game of who came first, and I tried to guess uh, whether Marvel or DC had a similar character first. That was a lot of fun. And then we, uh, and thank you, thank you. Uh, Spoiler alert, I know more about comics than you might think. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, And then the rest of the conversation, we talked about James Gunn and Peter Safran taking over uh, the DCEU and what we thought that might mean for DC. So if you're interested in that conversation, might be a reason to check out uh, being a member of Sif Pop. Mainly, uh, from what we hear from our members, they just love the show. They want to support. They want to keep the website and the show going, and that is why they support. If that is you, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash siftpop uh, to become a Siftpop member. That is siftpop with a T in the middle, S-I-F-T-P-O-P, siftpop, um, patreon.com slash siftpop. All right, let's move into the Best Ever Challenge. Um, best Ever Mammal Movies. Now, Not had, to cl- had to clarify this one a little bit. Um, you know, obviously this is Panther is in Black Panther. And so that's kind of what we're basing, uh, this off of also Banshee, probably also a mammal. So maybe it applies to both. I mean, it's um, a, uh, it's an undead woman who shrieks and drives sure. men mad. Sounds like, sounds, sounds like a mammal to me. Um, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> although we have stipulated non-human mammals, yeah. uh, in this one and, uh, and it actually is the name of the mammal in the title, not like. Um, you know, a character name that is also like Ratatouille would not count, you know, yeah, even, um, yeah. that kind of thing. So, uh, the all name right. of the mammal has to be in the title, correct? The species or, or type of mammal, yes. Uh, so we'll go number five to number one. And, uh, of course, if one of us has it higher, Trump, we'll trump it. Um, all right, so start, start us off with number five, Andrew. What do you got at number five? I'm gonna go with. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm, good choice, good choice. Tiger, definitely a mammal. Yeah. Oh, I was going with Dragon. Dang it. I need to know my mammals. This list is going to be Dragon. Awful. Dragons don't exist, but if they did, I would think they're uh-huh. reptiles, I would I would guess, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think that this is a 
beautiful, beautiful movie. And I mean that in several ways. Visually, most of all, I think this is gorgeous, gorgeously shot. Just some of the cinematography is just uh, eye-wateringly beautiful. And the way mm-hmm. that uh, this, it's captured, I mean, it's just stellar. The The action can trans, transcend between being beautiful and just being like, oh, that's rad. Oh, that's rad. Uh, yeah, great story. And it has a desert in it. I'll say that every single time. That's <laughs> Uh, I, saw, five? I saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon recently. It kind of notched down a little bit, in my opinion. There are some things I don't think that worked quite as well for me this time, but everything you said is true. It is it is beautiful and well worth a watch. By the way, um, every single the visual splendor. Uh, one through five, my top five, they're all in my top 100 movies of all time. Guess I like oh, animals. Cool. I think mine are all in my top 200. Uh, You're number I, five. My number five is Of Mice and Men. Um, oh, Yeah. This I'll is the Malkovich Sinise uh, version of of mice and uh, of mice and men. Um, those I think that is primarily why I love this movie. The story is what it is. It's clearly you know been around for a long time, um, and it's powerful and moving and and has all that stuff. But watching Malkovich and Sinise do these parts is so good um i love these two together they kind of came up together in the theater scene and um i just i I, this is a one that's i don't hear a lot of people talking about that's just always stuck with me i'm due for a rewatch on this actually um because i haven't rewatched it in a while but i i really really love this movie so that is my number it's a good pick 1992 it's been a hot minute uh number four andrew this might get trumped uh, Dances with Wolves. No, had it in my honorable mentions, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, kind of uh, an interesting take on uh, this, the, how this, or it's interesting how this film kind of started a genre mm-hmm. uh, in itself. Like, there's so many uh, different uh, interpretations of this movie. There's uh, Avatar is the big one. Um, mm-hmm. Last Samurai of, you know, being uh introduced to a new culture and seeing uh one who is trying to escape all of the uh the horrors of the culture like they're running mm-hmm. away from and then they they're they found a place where everything is new and beautiful and uh your future uh the possibilities are you know endless and stuff like that and it's uh it's directed beautifully it's written i love the dialogue in this movie uh yeah great fish out of water uh experience uh do not be afraid of the runtime of this movie if that's what's holding you back from seeing it then you're really missing out on a great movie yeah it's a must watch dances with wolves is a must must watch you number uh, four costner is amazing um oh, my so number good. four is fantastic mr fox honorable uh, mentions um I love this movie. I love this the Wes Anderson-ness of it all. We've talked about this movie many times before. It is one of my favorites. Um, there is such a place for this kind of creative stop-motion animation, you know, kind of feel kind of stuff. And uh, I really love the, the choices this movie makes, the tone that it has, and the story. Um, so, yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is, is one of my faves. You should check it out. Did you just cuss at me? Did you cuss me? <laughs> well, I cuss you. That's right. So smart. Yep. Uh, number three, Reservoir Dogs. 
Yeah. Yep. I knew this would be on your list. Yeah, you did. I mean, it's, yeah, it's me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that this is one of Tarantino's best movies. I I know he's really grown as, an, as a director since, since here, and it, it's hard to believe that the same guy who did this did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Inglorious Bastards because... Uh, not only from like a, a financial standpoint, you could definitely tell that this was an indie film, um, but uh, he's really grown into, he's branched out from his intimate movies into more like worldly films. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think that there's, there's a lot of magic in this movie that, that you can see like, okay, once he, once he really starts to figure out who he is, this guy's going to do great, great things. But I think that this movie itself is also great. That is Reservoir Dogs. Uh, yeah. My number three is Twelve Bunkies. Uh, I had in at number you three. Just cutting my bar- or my honorable mention list down. Like Good a treat. Good. <laughs> really interesting performances here from Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. Uh, I mention this movie uh, often as a movie that understands. The power of using time travel as a um, non-changing uh, thing, as opposed to um, you know, uh, non-mutable as uh, or immutable, as opposed to mm. being able to change stuff. It is a really interesting look at that, and uh, I just I think it's fun, interesting, and visually uh, is something that's it's just a little different. It's got a lot of quirk to it that I really enjoy. So yeah, yeah. twelve monkeys. Not your average Bruce Willis movie. Mm-mm. And it's a very underappreciated one, too. Like, yep. I, I, I know we, on the show, we praise it all the time, but I, I don't really hear people talking about it all that much. Yeah. Yep. Shame. They're missing out. Uh, number two. Uh, one of the happiest movies you'll ever see, The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> In my honorable mentions, for sure. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about Anthony Hopkins a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Uh this is the movie that let everybody know who he was. And yeah. uh, he's stellar. I think that the story of Hannibal Lecter um, and how he's and how his that character story arc spans over so many different, I guess, properties, not just movies, because they made the show Hannibal and stuff, but how he has had such a lasting impression on society because Anthony Hopkins was so good. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's on screen for less than 12 minutes and he won an Oscar for supporting actor. That's unheard yeah. of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely love this movie. Totally get it. It was in my honorable mentions for sure. Yeah. Uh, Your number my, two? My number two is The Lion King. Trump. Uh, and I wonder. Trump! Uh, so go ahead and talk about it then, because it's your number one. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to get right on into it. Uh, yeah, it's my favorite hand-drawn animated Disney movie. Uh, It's uh, Hamlet or Macbeth? I think it's Hamlet. Uh, But anyway, yeah, it's a great adaptation of Shakespeare's work. I think that some of the greatest songs Disney has ever come up with are in this movie. Uh, Some of the greatest characters. I think that... uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Not Ian. I'm trying to think of who played Scar, if you could help me out here. Oh, um, of course, when your brain's put on Jeremy the Jeremy Irons, I got it. Yeah, Jeremy need, Irons. I didn't yeah. need to look it up, everybody. I knew it. Uh, but I think that Scar is like one of the best villains in cinematic history. 
yeah, there's just so much right about this movie. It does everything mm-hmm. it needs to right. I really can't think of many negatives for it. It's almost a perfect movie. It is. It's just really good. It is the definition of Disney at their best. And, yeah. uh, you know, those songs are incredible. The um, The story is incredible. The animation's incredible. Yeah, it's basically a perfect film. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, what did you have at your number one? My number one is Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, and if it if you know if you've heard me say Groundhog Day at number one before in other uh, <laughs> best ever challenge, there's a reason it ha- keeps happening over and over again. Uh, Groundhog Day is not only fun. It's metaphysical and philosophical in some really deep and interesting ways. This movie has something to say. You oh, add, yeah. You add to that the fact that it is so fun and is so funny and is Bill Murray right in his prime best. Um, it's, you know, it's hard hard not to love this movie. And it is one of my all-time favorites. Um, so always going to recommend Groundhog Day as one to check out. So I'm a god, not the god. <laughs> Uh, is this corn hand shucked? Um, so yeah, nice. I, I could quote Groundhog Day uh, all all day. You could quote uh, it for ten thousand years. That's right, over one, and over again, if one every single day. Yeah. Uh, honorable mentions. I'll just run through mine, and then you can uh, pick up any scraps because um, there's plenty. I also have Disney's The Fox and the Hound. Um, yeah. I really love that movie. Dog Day Afternoon is worth mentioning, I think. Uh, Wolfwalkers, another animated film. Uh, really, really good. Oh, that came out not too long ago, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, not too long ago. I need ago. to see that. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, uh, certainly worth mentioning. Uh, the original Black Panther, I think, should get a shout out. Uh, Pig, Nicolas Cage and Pig. Um, Ooh, good pick. So good. So very, very good. Wolf of Wall Street, probably worth mentioning. Yeah. Power of the Dog, last year's uh, Oscar um, runner-up. Let's just guess. Uh, Lion. Um, oh, is my a gosh. really good movie. You want to uh, talk about a movie that'll make you cry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Lion is that movie. Uh, Isle of Dogs, speaking of uh, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Uh, and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, I always like to give a shout-out to. That first one's really good. Very good. Uh, what Those else did you have? Movies. Um, I would just say the other two Planet of the Apes films. Sure, are great. Yeah. Um, Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth mentioning. Uh, that is uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Man, he loves animal movies. I guess <laughs> not that that's a movie about an animal, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, Deer Hunter. Yep. It's a it's a happy happy movie. Nothing bad happens in that movie. Oh. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And finally, if you love the Marx Brothers, you have to see Animal Crackers, which is I put it in the or in the honorable mention because Animal, you know, it's a little it, broad. It, it, I, it's no, it's it, like a step up for mammal, not a step, you know, below. Yeah. It doesn't it's like not under the mammal umbrella. It's above the all mammal mammals umbrella. are animals, not all animals are mammals. <laughs> Thank you. There's the there's yes, the logic of it. That all. is my version of uh saving private Ryan. <laughs> right. There, there you go. Yeah, there I you just go. pushed it too far. Uh, so there you go. Our favorite, uh, best ever mammal movies. Uh, all right. Time to hit the buried treasure. Um, I'll go first on this. Um, I want to talk about Andor. I finally caught up on Andor. Um, 10 episodes out, two more to go in this first season. I think they are planning two 12 episode seasons. 
uh, of this show, and this is the second best Star Wars thing I've ever seen. Um, it is so good. Uh, we are, at least I am, I think you are as well, big lovers of Rogue One. Uh, think it is such a good movie. Rogue One's a very good movie, and... The, the rumor is that Tony Gilroy basically ghost directed it and, you know, saved a lot of what made that movie good. And he's here uh, expanding that story in a way that is so nuanced, so deep. I've heard it said that Gilroy isn't like a huge Star Wars fan. And I think that's kind of what makes this work because the show is not interested as much in cameos and weird aliens and Star Wars stuff. It's interested in here is what happens when a rebellion forms. Here is all the spy stuff that happens. The the heist, there's a there's a heist in this show. There's a prison break in this show. There's a like all, you know, it's not and it happens in a Star Wars universe and there are certainly Star Wars things that are going to give you those those goosebumps, but they're handled in such a real world kind of way. That it's just, it's so good. This show is, uh, I've binged it over the last week or so, and I've just, I've loved every second of it. Uh, the performances are amazing. Uh, in case you were wondering, Empire Strikes Back is is probably uh, above this, and New Hope is probably just teetering on the same or maybe even just a little bit below. I know that's recency bias, by the way. I'm sure actually eventually Last Jedi may even be uh, better than this, in my opinion. <laughs> Andrew, keep your mouth shut. Uh, but uh, but I don't think this is a Last Jedi situation where you're going to hate this, and I love it. I think uh, if you like Star Wars at all um, and have even been maybe a little bit disappointed in, in just where the movies have gone and even, you know, Mandalorian's fun. It's a great show, but this is next level, I think. This is just high-quality wow. television. So, so, uh, so yeah. one of the things that was keeping me from watching, I'll just say up front, I haven't seen anything yet from the show. So, I know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But I was, I was kind of worried, and it sounds like my, uh, my uh, trepidations are misled or uh, unfounded, is the fact that with prequels, you you kind of lack a, a bit of intensity because you know nothing can happen to your lead character. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like that there's still a lot of a suspense and you know tense moments in the show. There are so many secondary characters that we immediately understand and love or know that that there's always. You know, it's not just about Cassie and Andor. Like, you know, it's it's about all these different people. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that is not a problem here, um, as far as I'm concerned. There's plenty of tension and mystery um, uh, in this for sure. So, yeah, sweet. It's it's not only a prequel; it's a prequel series to a prequel movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like it's like doubling the prequel. So, um, does this mean that this is? No, I guess it, never mind. It wouldn't be because yeah, I'm I'm dumb. Never mind. Okay, all yeah. right. Uh, high high recommend of Andor. Uh, Andrew, what do you got? I got a documentary that came out a couple years ago. Being evil. It is a documentary on evil can evil. Um, oh, okay. I didn't grow up in the evil Knievel era, but I did grow up in the Robbie Knievel era, his son. And I watched all of his, I watched his son do all of those stunts. But, uh, 
I saw that this was uh, available and I watched it and I was pleasantly surprised at how well done this documentary is because it it doesn't shy away from controversies and you know it doesn't try to make the the man or the legend uh any less human but also it doesn't shy away from saying like no the things this guy was doing and the things that he got away with are crazy and that he was able to survive everything is is wild like uh the big thing that they that they made the distinction on and that I didn't know going into this is uh his son had broken all of his uh records but what I didn't know is the reason why he was breaking all of his records is because the type of bike he was using Robbie Knievel was using was like specially designed to make these crazy jumps and that every single one of these jumps that uh evil did was like on a regular harley that weighs like four times as much as like everything that robbie was using so all of these stunts he was doing were elevated in an intensity because of a combination of lack of desire to do the math Mm -hmm. so he's like i'm just gonna try it hopefully i make it and and a combination of like a lack of uh, desire to have specialized equipment. Um, right. It, it shows the uh, how he was not really a great family man. Um, he openly cheated on his wife, like in front of her and stuff. So you're like, oh, he's not not a. It doesn't try to paint him as just a perfect guy, mm-hmm. but it still shows you all the amazing things. Like everybody remembers the. Uh, the big ones that he did with the Snake Mountain rocket launch, and then the. Uh, I'm going to stop here for a second. Did you grow up like watching Evil Knievel like do his stunts I, and stuff? I, okay, so uh, it's a, it's a complex answer. Yes, when I was growing up, I think he was still doing some stunts. Mm. Yes, just as a normal human being, I was curious about. Wow, that's crazy! You know, doing that kind of stuff. But I also have always been a non-danger person. Like, I don't understand this streak of a lot of humans that is Mm. Um, thrill-seeking. Specifically, put yourself in danger thrill-seeking. I don't don't get that. So there's always been an element of... I don't care (laughs) because (laughs) I don't don't connect. And, um, like, I mean, if something bad happens to you your fault like i yeah. like there's you know there's i don't know it's it, it was it's always been hard for me to connect to this kind of stuff so yeah. um so i wasn't all that interested but i do re- kind of vaguely remember stuff happening so yeah, yeah. the uh the the documentary is uh pretty heavily narrated and uh critiqued on by johnny knoxville he's like this was well, my that hero yeah I, yeah. I know it's it's perfect. Also, you have George Hamilton who uh, played Evil Knievel in the movie. Um, it, it goes over obviously all those stunts that he did, all the bones he broke. Uh, so, yeah, his. Uh, I think the big one that everybody knows is the uh, the was is it the Bellagio fountains in Vegas? Is that what they mm-hmm. are? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he when he tried to jump those and. Uh, he had that crash that everybody thought he died on. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting documentary to see somebody who I have absolutely nothing in common with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's crazy to see how wild and different humans can be. Yeah. 
yeah totally uh that is being evil that is e-v-e-l by the way uh being evil and that is on a lot of places i think it's on prime and peacock and several other i watched uh, it on youtube free so i think it's yeah i think it's basically available uh pretty much anywhere so yeah uh that is being evil and then andor is on disney plus uh we did it man we did a podcast we uh didn't even have to jump the bellagio fountains to to make it happen Uh, so we were dodging bread vans left and right (laughs) congratulations to us Uh, thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. You can check all that out at patreon.com slash Pop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. You can also email us uh, if you still have email. Feedback at SIFPOP.com. <laughs> and finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this show, too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than supporting the weight of a grown man with four tiny foot wings. We will be back uh, next week. Uh, I think we're going to maybe talk about the menu. We talked about it a little bit after Ian and I saw it, but I know uh, I would love to hear Andrew's opinions on it, and it goes wide next week. So we may make that uh, main review and kind of uh, double talk about that. Um, maybe Disenchanted. There are a couple other movies that uh, that are coming out. So yeah. uh, we'll let you know sooner or later, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.